The following is a Sports Ethos presentation. What's up, y'all? How we doing? Rocking on a wonderful Friday, no matter where you are, how you're listening to this, whether it's Round Ball Ramble, Let's Make Moves, Dash Radio. I just want to say thank you for rolling with your boy, Corbin Ford. You can find me on Twitter at Corbin NBA. Definitely make sure to do that. Any and all content that I put out will be found on Twitter, you know? That's that's where I'm at. Also Instagram if you're so uh so interested. But today is Friday the 20th of May, we are getting ever so close to the NBA Finals, ever so close to the NBA Draft, and we just had one momentous event pass us most recently. It's really funny, because at the end of the day, it's really simple. It's a a readout of lists, but it is like one of the single most exciting lists that basketball fans get to experience every year. That, my friends, is the NBA Draft Lottery, which happened this past week, Tuesday to be specific, on the 17th, and you know... It was pretty cool. Pretty cool. You know, watching teams all year, we've been seeing teams try to make the playoffs, try to make the play-in. You have the contenders, and then, of course, you have those teams that are more in the bottom, right? Teams that are looking at the lottery ping-pong balls. Now, yes, the playing tournament, to a certain extent, has helped to uh, de-incentivize. Is that the word I'm looking for? Eh, I'm going with that. To basically make it not as, you know, conducive to uh, tanking. Not as the rewards aren't as prevalent, and a lot of that is because flattened lottery odds, and the fact that now the playing tournament is much easier to try to make the playoffs, or at least put yourself in a position to make the playoffs than it is to just tank and try to drop down to sixty wins, sixty losses rather. Yet teams persist in doing so anyway because you know you can't have thirty great teams. There's going to be a team that's on the bottom. It's just the way math works. And so when the draft lottery came, we had a bunch of teams. Whether it was your lottery mainstays, like the Kings, uh, more recently the Magic and the Thunder, uh, whether it was recent teams like the Blazers who slipped down, or the Caval- or the Cavs who actually had a good year this past year but were down there, the Knicks kind of regressed, whether it was teams that have been, you know, just on the outside precipice of the lottery, like the Spurs or the Wizards, all these teams were here, lined up for the draft lottery, and it happened. The Orlando Magic won this long-awaited event, and they will now have the number one overall pick in the 2022 NBA Draft, which is set for June 23rd. The Oklahoma City Thunder, the Houston Rockets, the Sacramento Kings, and the Detroit Pistons round out the top five, with the Pacers 6th, the Blazers 7th, the Pelicans via the pick from the Lakers in the Anthony Davis trade of 2020 are 8th. Spurs are 9th, Wizards are 10th, Knicks are 11th, the Thunder are 12th, and that's a pick from the Clippers in the Paul George trade, the Hornets are 13th, and the Cleveland Cavaliers, this is for you, they are 14th. And so today, what I want to do is just kind of go through winners and losers of the NBA draft lottery, because there's always a winner and there's always a loser, I believe, that's the game of sports, really the game of life, if you really want to go all meta, you know, um... And, and share who I believe are the winners and losers of this draft lottery. So, without further ado, I'm just going to roll right into it. 
So the first thing I like to do is go into a winner. We're going to talk about one. One, the Orlando Magic. Duh. In securing number one overall pick, the Magic have the opportunity to acquire a real difference maker. Now, whether that player is Paolo Banquero, Jabari Smith Jr., or Chet Holmgren is to be determined. But for an Orlando squad that was bereft of that main man, drafting number one is an absolute godsend. This is also the fourth first overall selection for Orlando, having grabbed Shaq back in 1992, Chris Webber, who they traded for Penny Hardaway right after, in 1993, and Dwight Howard in 2004. So in all cases, all were either Hall of Famers or, in Howard's case, future Hall of Famers. So with that, like, shout out to Orlando. Whether you are trying to, you know, go with a potential all-world defensive player in Chet Holmgren, a guy who brings you tantalizing all-around talent on the offensive end with some growth on the defensive end in Paolo Bancaro, or a guy who isn't really known for his on-ball creation outside of just being a world-class shooter and a switchy, lengthy defender in Jabari Smith Jr. So we'll talk about this more in the future. Um, there are definitely a lot of interesting players to break down this draft. Not quite the, the top-end overall talent of a Zion or, you know, even a Cade Cunningham or guys like that who you say, hey, you know, here's my franchise to you, and we are going places. But there are some talent here that is very interesting in terms of what they might be to a team. And Orlando, being where they are with a glut of guards and a big man situation where they basically were platooning two different big men in Mo Bamba and Wendell Carter Jr. And they gave Wendell Carter Jr. an extension, and Mo Bamba is now heading a restricted free agency. They, I mean, when your draft class is three bigs, could be interesting to see how they work, you know? So we'll dive more into that, but the Atlanta Magic are clearly winners first and foremost in this draft lottery. Let's do another winner. Trades. Let's think about it. We have the Kings sitting at number four. You have the Blazers, who, you know, basically had Dame Lillard set out all year in the hopes of selecting a top three pick in this draft. They are number seven. You have a few teams now that, you know, were hoping to get a real difference maker that are now in a spot where that difference maker probably isn't there. What do you do? You still got to upgrade your team somewhere, right? In a draft that many teams only three deep in terms of superstar talent, if you're looking to add a player of that caliber and you're sitting anywhere between 4 through 10, maybe a trade happens. The Pistons sit at number 5. Can they move up to number 3? You know, uh, dangling Jeremy Grant and a couple pieces of the Rockets? Probably not. <laughs> I'm just throwing an idea and I quickly doused out cold water. Probably not. But let's look at the Kings, right? Um, you know, right now where their mock Jaden Ivey should be available to them. Well, they just did a, a point guard drafting a couple of years back with Tyrese Halliburton and Davon Mitchell in back-to-back drafts. And who do they trade? Tyrese Halliburton for DeMontis Sabonis, right? So the same reason why you're probably not getting another point guard with Mitchell and Darren Fox already on the roster. Although, depending on how the Kings look at, are they drafting best player available? Are they drafting for fit? Last time they drafted for fit, it didn't work out too well, remember? Uh, they drafted... A Mark, a Marvin Bagley over Luka Doncic because we already had a point guard. We already had De'Aaron Fox. So, when they did that, they messed up. Then, you know, they draft the best player available um, instead of fit and Tyrese Halliburton and Davion Mitchell. That remains to be seen just where that goes. So, either way, you can already expect the Sacramento Kings to fudge it up. And I'm sorry to say that, but that's just how I feel. You know? But that being the case, if you're Sacramento with that number four pick, you just go with a guy like Keegan Murray, you know, a forward who could, you know, play the three, 
shoots the ball well, kind of fitting alongside Harrison Barnes and the squad you have now. Does that help you demonstrably in a way that you're looking to break a playoff drought for the first time in 16 years? No, I don't think so, personally. I mean, I think Keegan Murray is a fine player. But I think that you want to move that pick if you are pessimistic that one of Paolo Bancaro, Chet Holmgren, or Jabari Smith Jr. doesn't fall to you. So maybe you make a, a trade there. The, um, the Blazers, not the Pelicans. Pelicans, I think, are going to be just fine where they are. Johnny Davis, just stick around. Get a player of that caliber alongside C.T. McCollum, Brandon Ingram, and Zion Williamson, Herb Jones. I think the Pelicans are going to be okay. But the Blazers, at number seven, you know, do you take a player like a Benedict Matherin, a guy who can shoot three, you know, great, uh, good athleticism, defender? Is that guy going to be a difference maker for your unit in that way? You know, I don't think so. But then again, I don't think the Blazers, to be perfectly honest with you, we're going to be able to, you know, go back into contention like before anyways. Like, you got to worry about Anthony Simons, a restricted free agency decision. You have to worry about bringing Yusef Nurkic back. Trying to sign and trade Nurkic or something isn't going to give you the impact play you need. Same thing with Simons, obviously. Free agency's pretty poor. You know, where you're drafting is seventh in the draft. Like, I don't see avenues for them to improve their team in a major way. Now, maybe I am sleeping on the magic of new GM Joe Cronin, but something tells me I'm not. <laughs> something tells me I'm okay in assuming this. And so, if you are the Blazers, do you try to make a trade to upgrade either through a player like a John Collins, maybe, um, to a much lesser extent to Jeremy Grant, you know, looking for players that are that might be available in uh, the trade market that, hey, if I dangle a semi-high pick, definitely a top 10 pick, that teams will be interested, maybe that works out for you, um, looking at this year, I, I don't have a, a player that pops off the page outside of, hopefully, a Collins, who I think Atlanta would trade uh, and that pick will be a nice fit. Uh, I wouldn't trade the seventh pick for Jeremy Grant. I don't think Jeremy Grant is worth a top ten first round pick. I think he's worth maybe like a future first or a late first, but not not a number seven pick in whatever salary match you have there. I, I don't think so personally. Maybe another player pops up in the meantime between time. But if I have the Blazers, just my own little thought here. If I can't find a way to trade that pick, then I'm trading names. Somebody getting traded, all right? Because if I'm not going to be able to re- to build a championship contending team, then hey, I thank Dame for all that he's done, and I send him to a championship team, or a team that thinks that he can obviously make them a championship contender, and I take all their picks for all it's worth. Picks young players, and we start on the rebuild process. You have the job, you just got it. What better way for a GM to set forth on that path than to start with the developing team. He's not taking over the developing team. He's basically, you know, kind of helping with the build-down process. Like, now you can forward in the Blazers in your own image. Anyway, I still think the winners are trades, because like I said, I'm looking at the Blazers, I'm looking at the Kings, maybe the Thunder move that number 12 pick to try to go up a little bit more. Uh, maybe we see the Spurs play around with it. Traditionally, they don't, but maybe they do. The Wizards and a few teams here in this, you know, I'd say 4-14 through 14 spot that could make a move with their pick if they see a way of either moving up, maybe even moving back, or just trading that pick for a proven difference maker from the jump. Loser. The Lakers. I'm going to be very quick with this. I'm a Lakers fan. Y'all already know this if y'all listen to the show or know me personally. Um, and to see, you know, every draft right now say Pelicans via the Lakers, it irks me. 
like this. You know, you do that trade 10 times out of 10 times because when you make a trade for Anthony Davis, you bring a championship to your team, which the Lakers did. Whether or not you call it the bubble championship or the Mickey Mouse ring or whatever the heck you want to call it, when you make a trade for Anthony Davis with LeBron James, that immediately upgrades your roster, right? It did. They won that championship in 2020. That's what you play for, right? So mission accomplished. They understood the assignment. Yay. Like, there we go. That is what that that is what you're looking for. Now, with that being said, and yes, maybe number eight, again, I'm mocking Johnny Davis to the Pelicans. I should have Johnny Davis a little higher. I love that guy as a shooting guard prospect. Being able to generate tough middies and, you know, playing all down the defensive end, maybe growing a little bit more in the off-ball, uh, just facilitation role in the future, but somebody who's going to come in and fit right into a good system, or right into a unit with a need for a wing kind of player. Like, I just love everything about Johnny Davis. I have the Pelicans kind of grabbing him right now, right? But if you're the Lakers and you have a number eight pick, after the disappointing year you already had, maybe that is salary sweetener, or not salary sweetener, a trade sweetener, if you are dangling at Russell Westbrook, instead of asking, you know, incoming coach candidates, hey, what do you think you do about Russ, huh? Because, uh... What are your thoughts? Just, just want to, just want to get you up for feedback. What, what are you thinking about how you integrate Russell Westbrook? Like they're trying to get this free, um, <laughs> free um, uh, advice solicitation service here. Because whether or not they hire the guy, they're getting the ideas. Am I right? Well, they got the A pick. Yeah, like, all right, we trade Russ with an A pick, and maybe if we are so inclined, we will trade the 2027 first rounder. But we don't have to. We don't like this for this first round pick. We don't like this. Draft, you know, thing that's three players deep. So we give you a major contract, but an expiring one in Russell Westbrook. We give you a pick for your troubles. It is a top ten selection. Like you give us something else, and 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 say la vie. Like we move on. It would just been tremendous for Lakers to have gotten something out of this godforsaken season. That's all I'm asking, or it's all I want to say. Like without that. Yeah, they're losers. I don't care what you say. I knew it was going to happen. Also, another loser, the Pelicans. Because if you see them on, uh, on social media, they've been making such a big deal about taking this pick from the Lakers. And it's like, bruh, like, okay, like, we didn't win this year, but yeah, you win. Like, yeah, you got a pick. Because you've done so well with them in the past. Uh, see how you treat Zion Williamson. See how you treated Anthony Davis. Like, y'all have done so well with these first round picks. It's amazing. But not only is that just a joke, but also, this isn't even a first round pick, it's number 8, and also like, yeah, the Lakers got involved because Anthony Davis wanted out, you guys got pieces that have helped you towards your rebuild, um, <coughs> Brandon Ingram, <coughs> so I'm not really sure where this, like, rivalry is, ha we got your pick, Lakers, ha we got your pick, like, I saw a few of those kind of Twitter posts, it's like, okay, like, what are you, what are you, what are you looking for, bruh? Why are you going off like that? I don't know. That's my thought. Pelicans are losers because that's just corny. Another loser. San Antonio Spurs. Man, I just really quickly want to look back on the San Antonio Spurs recent draft. Let's just go back for the last couple of years, you know, and just seeing where they selected and who they selected. Because I, I want to I kind of show something here. So shout out to Basketball Reference, always coming through. We will go back to 2014, right? Last year of, of the Spurs, oh no, 2015, the Spurs were contending again. They had rebuilt around um, Marcus Aldridge 
and Kawhi Leonard. But let's go 2014, right? Championship finals year. They draft 30th. They get Kyle Anderson. Solid player, right? 2015, Nikola Mutinoff and Katie Lillane. Uh, you haven't heard about them because they haven't played for the Spurs. So, moving on, right? But anyway, they drafted uh, Nikola at 26 and, and Katie at uh, 55th. Anyway, 2016. With a 29th pick, Spurs hit out the park. DeJounte Murray, a guy averaging 12.6 rebounds and 4 assists for his career. Um, a guy who had a, a tremendous breakout year last season. DeJounte Murray's drafted 29th in 2016. 2017, Derek White. And, to a much lesser extent, Jaron Blossom game. Derek White is drafted 29th. Solid player, although not for the Spurs, not with the Celtics, but still a very solid player uh, in the NBA as well. 2018, Lonnie Walker and Semezi Metu. Alright, Lonnie Walker and Metu, uh, Metu with the Kings. Lonnie Walker's had an up-and-down career with the Spurs and really in the NBA in general. He heads into a very, very interesting um, restricted free agency. So, We'll kind of see what happens there, but Lonnie Walker at 18 is still good value for where he was selected, okay? Like, I'm looking at that 2018 draft, and honestly, after 18, what? Kevin Herter would have been a much better pick, Anthony Simons, but then it's like Landry Shamit, Mo Wagner... Uh, Time Lord, which are guys you can still say, Devontae Graham, Gary Trent Jr. Okay, you know, I take it back. There's, there's a few players in that second round, DeAnthony Melton. Yeah, there's a few players in the second round that, that have had better careers and would better fit better fit for the Spurs than Lonnie Walker. So let me let me let me walk that back. My bad. Twenty nineteen. Lucas Samanich at nineteenth. Uh not a great pick. Only 36 games played. Keldon Johnson, the real good pick at twenty ninth. And then Quindari Weatherspoon. At 49th. So obviously the the, the the jewel of this one is, is Keldon Johnson, a guy who was still a solid player for the Spurs. 2020, Devin Vassell and Trey Jones. Devin Vassell 11th and Trey Jones 41st. Great value for both, I'd imagine. And then 2021, Josh Primo drafted 12th and Joe Weiskamp drafted 41st. So you guys sitting over here, okay, Corbin, what are you trying to get at? Like, going over the Spurs draft history, yeah, everyone has basketball reference, not really understanding where you're going with that. Where I'm going with this is that, okay, Spurs are again looking for a difference maker. They're tired of being in that NBA purgatory of not quite being one of the worst teams in the NBA, but not being a playoff team. They get, you know, pretty handled when they get in the playing tournament, right? So how can we continue to move up? Building a group of good but not super great players is giving you a good but not super great team, uh, but not really even a good but not super great, just like a decent but not good team. The point being, drafting again that range, unless you know you trust the Spurs scouts to find a diamond in the rough here that can flourish into a star, is that an A.J. Griffin? You know, 18-year-old who can shoot? Like, not a whole lot else, but hit 45% of threes last season? Is that a guy like, let's say, uh, ben, uh, Benedict Matherin falls back to them, or Jeremy Sochan, a 6'9 forward from Baylor? Like, are these guys who can really make a difference for the Spurs? A uh, Jalen Duran, uh, Usman Dieng? Like, the guys I'm mentioning at this point are all players who are solid pieces, but are not a guy who go, okay, you know what, you go to the Spurs, he teams himself with DeJounte Murray. That's like a first-round exit right there. That's not that's not at all what what I what, what's coming out of this, right? So the Spurs have to be a loser because again you're drafting another solid piece, but the Spurs issue isn't that solid piece. The Spurs issue is that piece, that guy, you know? 
a, a guy that teams go back. That's my guy. You know, that's that's what you're looking for. The, the main person. If you believe that to be Jonte Murray, well, then you, you you're fine. I'm not going to argue with you on that. Do I agree? No, I do not. But like, I think Dejounte's best suited as like an ancillary player, just because of lack of shooting. The fact that him being more aggressive on ball doesn't necessitate to the best results in terms of an offense. Like, I, I think that he's someone who's best going to be known for a slashing, you know, mid-range shooting, defensive-minded guard who can play off of a player better than him. You know, whether it was DeMar DeRozan, who had his own flaws, but, you know, back in 2019, 2020, or a guy like that. Like, that's what I'm looking for in terms of a, a, a better talent if you want the Spurs to move up, you know, considerably or significantly out of where they currently are. So, that's my thoughts on that. Uh, I don't think you find that at ninth. Then again, this draft, we look back and there'll be players picked, you know, in the second maybe, that end up being stars. So, who knows? But one thing we know for certain is this person have not been drafting those kind of guys, right? Like, if those guys have flourished in, in later years, they haven't been on the Spurs in that way. So, I mean, looking at the last couple of drafts, like I said, you have DeJounte Murray, you have Kelvin Johnson, there's really good fits. Uh, you made a swing on a Lonnie Walker, and I think that swing is over. Like, that's where you're at. So, I, I'm just not super excited about them. I'm going to have to put a loss to them on there. But, you know, I like to end things on a positive, so I'm going to put one more positive out there for us. And a win, or winners, is us, the draft fans, the draft folks, the people like myself who consume draft content are just starting to reduce it, and the people who produce a ton of draft content. I would highly recommend my friends at the Upset Swings podcast because they do a lot of great work, team-specific pods, 30 days, uh, 30 teams in 30 days. They have groupings by position, you know, shooting guard podcast, a point guard podcast, a, a scoring wings pod, an, uh, a weird, funky fit forward pod. Like, they do that. I like the fact that they have um, just great folks who know what they're talking about and the chemistry they bring to the table, uh, including inviting yours truly on for a few. They just are a good unit to follow and, and absorb their content. Also, recommend no ceilings, uh, the draft deeper pod one that I'm uh, pretty familiar with, having listened to a couple episodes of that. Uh, Nathan Grubel, Nathan Grubel, I think I said that right, yeah. Pretty cool guy. All the no ceilings crew, Steve Gillespie. There's a lot of Gillespie, a lot of good guys on that squad in terms of the draft coverage they have a sub stack that's absolutely free highly recommend checking that out just being able to read um some good work and listen to some great audio and learn more about the draft process another guy my man rafael barlow used to be an nba draft junkie probably still is but also now has uh taken over for chad ford on nba big board and does a podcast for the locked on podcast network on nba big board another guy who really really knows his stuff uh travels all around Literally grabbing intel. Always seems to find time for a pod. I've been fortunate to have him on the show a couple of times, and I'm very, very grateful for the experience. Just a great dude overall. Uh, shout out to Raphael. So all these guys, I'm telling you, uh, you know, having worked with on a pod, having absorbed their content, can testament uh, or can be a testament, can speak to the quality of their work. And here I am doing that. So definitely make sure to check those folks out one more time. That's upside swings. That's no ceilings, and that is. Just type in Rafael Barlow, but uh, I would say, what, I just said it, Locked on NBA Draft? Locked on NBA Draft and NBA Big Board, duh. So yeah, 
we will have more content here about the draft. Uh, I'll be doing um, some more mocks coming up here, um, looking into some more of these prospects, more of a deep dive myself. Uh, I am nowhere on the level of these draft guys here, but you know, I'll do what I can. So definitely, um, we'll be coming in that range. But aside from that, y'all, this has been great. Appreciate y'all rocking with me here on a quick, uh, little truncated episode here. Um, we're just some NBA draft winners and losers. It's kind of fun to think of some. If you have any more that I've overlooked or not considered, please hit me up on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Uh, not only do we find my, you know, random ramblings, but also retweets of the work I've been doing, but also general thoughts. I really want to start more of a conversation there. Uh, it's stimulating, it's exciting, and we're hoop fans, and that's part of where all the joy comes from. So hit me up there at CorbinNBA. Aside from that, y'all, I really do appreciate anyone and everyone who tunes in. I thank y'all. This is recording on a Friday, so enjoy. Y'all weekend, take care, stay safe. I'm Frosty, y'all stay frosty, and I'll talk to y'all real, real soon. All right, y'all. This has been a Sports Ethos presentation.